your Bible this morning, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 9, if you would, Hebrews chapter number 9. It's been good to be in the meeting already, and I sure have appreciated the, uh, the spirit of the service, the singing, the preaching. Thank you, preacher, for allowing me to come and be a part of the meeting. And God's already been real good to me. I was praying uh, for a new suit, and I didn't have any money. And yesterday, you won't believe this, I found a wallet at the hotel, and I was able to go today and get me a new suit. And uh, God's been real good to me. God's been good to you, Brother Floor. Anyway, he's been real good to me. But I've enjoyed it. And uh, it's good to be back uh, in the South a little bit. And uh, for the last two years, we've lived out in California. And so it's good to have a little liberty. And uh, I've even, I don't even have a mask on me right now. Can you believe that? I walked through the hotel with that one and was waiting on somebody to jump me. And nobody did. And I thought, welcome to America. Uh, but God's been good in spite of it. We've been having good services at our place and things. Um, just had our, our National Pastors and Workers Conference is what it's always been called. But this year we changed the name of it to Camp Meeting. And then uh, we had a meeting the other day and Pastor Trevor said, what do you think we just call it Camp Meeting from here on out? And I said, I think I like that. So maybe we can get some of y'all to come out there and ruin it for us. That'd be good. Get some culture out there in California. I was talking to Brother Stacy over here. I'm going to get you to come out there and sing. We sing all your songs. I'd rather hear you sing them. So... Uh, that'd be good. Hebrews chapter number 9. Let's look at verse number 6. And if you would stand with me as we read the word of God this morning. And I want God to speak to our hearts, don't you? I don't know what God's going to do, but I know this. God wants to do something. B.R. Lakin said, you'll never have revival till you get back to giving God a chance. So if we'll just take the governor off and not quench the Holy Spirit of God and just give God a chance, it's hard to tell what God might do. And I know this, I need God to speak to my heart. So let's look at verse number six. The Bible said, Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of, bull, of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Look at verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. They sang the song a minute ago. I'd already prayed last night and then this morning about what I'd preached when I was asked to preach for this first time at least. And God laid the message on my heart. Then they sang it a minute ago, and I couldn't wait for them to get done singing, although I like to hear them sing. But God just seemed to confirm it. There's a big difference in Old Testament blood and New Testament blood. For a little while this morning, I want to preach on this thought, better blood. I'm glad that we have better blood. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd please help us this morning. I pray for liberty to preach. I pray that you'd help me to honor you. 
I pray you'd help us to look at you this morning, not anybody else but to see you. I pray you'd meet the need of every heart here, encourage your people, help this pastor. Thank you for his faith to host a meeting like this. I pray you'd meet every need that the meeting has. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. From the opening chapters of the Bible, a great emphasis is placed on the essential aspect of the blood. In fact, the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. By the way, isn't it amazing how our old, antiquated, outdated King James Bible seems to beat science to the punch every single time? The world wants to say, you Christians ought to keep up with our science. But I say, your science ought to try and keep up with my Bible. God has made man acutely aware of the vital necessity of the blood. The blood is important. The blood is essential. The blood in your body is the sustainer of physical life. If you study the blood, you find the blood has several different roles it plays in the body. You can survive without an eye. You can survive with just one ear. You can go on with less than 10 fingers, but you and I can't live unless we have the blood. As I was studying for this message, I began to study the blood. And I found several interesting things the blood in your body does. The one and a half gallons of blood in your body right now is doing some amazing things. First, I read and discovered the blood in our body is considered to be a connective tissue. In fact, the blood is the largest connective tissue in your body. Though it be fluid, the blood is filled with foreign platelets that run side to side and top to bottom in your being. And in essence, they hold your life together. I think we could say it like this. Without the blood, your life would simply fall apart. So the blood is a connective tissue. Not only that, but I found secondly, the blood is the track and the train that delivers oxygen to the body. The blood is both the avenue and the delivery truck that gives life to every aspect of the body. It's the blood that pumps oxygen to your brain. It's the blood that gets oxygen to the lungs. It's the blood that gets oxygen to your muscles. It is the blood that holds life together, and it's the blood that gives life to every aspect of the body. The third thing I discovered is the blood removes the carbon dioxide from your body. Carbon dioxide is that which would pollute or poison the body. So the blood is a cleansing agent. It's the blood that washes all of those pollutants out of your being. So it's the blood that holds life together. It's the blood that provides life to every area of the body. And it's the blood that cleanses us from all of the impurities. I found out another thing about the blood. It's the blood that feeds the body. It's the blood that gets all the acids and minerals and glucose and aminos to your body that helps the body grow. It's the blood that feeds your organs. It's the blood that feeds your muscles. It's the blood that pumps nutrients and supplies the body. So the blood is what holds life together. The blood is what supplies life to the body. The blood is what cleanses the body. And the blood is what nourishes or feeds the body. Also, I found out it's the blood that regulates the temperature of the body. The blood inside of you right now serves as an internal thermostat that keeps your body regular. Without the blood, you either freeze or you burn. You have to have the blood. 
blood. Another thing I found about the blood is the blood is a healing agent. Now you know this. If you've ever been injured and scraped your knee, you know the blood begins to run. But after some time, that blood will form platelets and a scab will grow and it will heal the body externally. Those wounds that can be seen from the outside, the blood takes care of those external wounds. But not only that, your blood is filled with those white blood cells. And when you're attacked by a virus or a disease, though it cannot be seen from the outside, on the inside, the blood goes to work at healing the internal wounds of life as well. So we can say the blood is an external healer, but the blood is also an internal healer. So we find physically the blood is a healing agent. The blood is a life supplier. The blood is that which feeds the body. The blood is that which nourishes and that which cleanses the body. Can I say our blood is protecting blood? Our blood is life-giving blood. Our blood without question is amazing blood. But I want to go on record this morning and say that there is better blood. While there is blood that courses inside my body physically, that is amazing blood. There is blood today that provides a better healing. There is blood today that provides a better life. There is blood today that provides a better nourishment. There is blood today that provides a better cleansing. And though our blood might be amazing blood, I want the world to go on notice that there is better blood. If you spend any time at all in your Bible, you'll find the blood. There's a crimson river that runs from the spring of Genesis to the culmination of Revelation. God reveals to us through his book that blood is not just vital for our physical life, but it's absolutely necessary for our spiritual life. You look through the pages of the Bible and you find blood shed for many reasons. Blood is shed for malice and for mercy. Blood is shed because of sin and blood is shed for sin. Blood is shed on the sandy soil of battlefields and blood runs across the stone tables of old fashioned altars. As the history of man begins to unfold, it unfolds in shades of crimson as we discover the only gateway back to God is through the blood. It was God himself that set that precedent in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. He gives us the principle that the only payment for sin is by the blood. Adam and Eve sinned and they tried to cover their sin their own way. And let me say it never has worked and it never will work when man tries to cover his sin his own way. So God steps in. God goes to Adam and Eve and provides a way. God offers the first sacrifice ever offered on planet earth and in the offering of that sacrifice the blood was shed. In Hebrews 9.22 we find the definitive statement that without the shedding of blood is no remission. Notice that little word no. It says no remission. That means no sin ever has been, no sin ever can be and no sin ever will be forgiven given outside of blood being shed. Man can work at it but there's no remission without the blood. Man can hope for it but there's no remission without the blood. Man can fix his character but there's no remission without the blood. I said it earlier blood is a healer. Blood is a life giver. Blood is what provides the body but can I say it's also blood that God has so chosen to atone for sin. In the Old Testament we watch the truth unfold as Abraham offers his son Isaac upon an altar can you see it as God tells Abraham to take his son that son of promise and to put him on an altar Abraham obeys God by faith they climb Mount Moriah no doubt with trepidation and some terror in his heart as he thinks about slaying his son Abraham takes his boy and he lays him on that altar that knife comes within a hair's breadth of the beating heart of Isaac when over yonder he sees a ram caught in a 
take it by its horns. Can I say that was the goodness of God at work in the life of Abraham. God is teaching Abraham there's better blood than the blood of Isaac. There's the blood of a substitute over there. But can I say there's better blood than Abraham's blood. In Exodus the story continues. Israel's been in Egyptian bondage for 400 years. Their back has been riven by the whip of the taskmaster. They've been making bricks for Pharaoh. But suddenly Moses rises out of the back side of the hillside and he says let my people go. You know the story. The death angel will come. The terrible drum of death will be beaten as it parades down every avenue of Egypt land. It'll stand at the threshold of every home and everyone who has not the blood applied to their doorpost. Their firstborn will die. But thank God as death marched up and down the roads of Egypt it didn't stay long at the house of those Hebrews. Why? Because there was blood on the inside and the outside. That blood made judgment pass over. But I want to tell you this morning that was pretty good blood but I know there's some better blood coming on Mount Sinai. The Levitical priesthood was instituted. The priesthood was put into practice. The tabernacle was erected. Later the temple was built. Now incessantly the blood of bulls and goats and sheep and birds would be shed to atone for the sins of man. Every day animal blood was shed. Every day animal life died for human life. Every day the crimson river rushed through the culture of Israel. Animal upon animal had to die. But I want you to know this morning that there is better blood once a year. Once every year the high priest would enter in to the holy of holies and he'd offer a blood sacrifice for himself and the sins of his nation. In verse 7 of our text chapter, the Bible describes it and it says, but into the second went the high priest alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and the heirs of the people. On that day of atonement, that priest would offer a sacrifice for sin, the sins of priest, prophet, and people. And he'd have to do it every year. And there was a stinging continual reminder that that atonement could never permanently settle their sin question that blood would be shed and that scapegoat would take it away but then next year it'd come right back can I say the day atonement was good but there was better blood coming I want you to know this morning there is blood better than the blood of goats there is blood better than the blood of bulls there is blood better than the blood of sheep there is blood better than the blood of birds there's blood better than Mount Moriah's blood there's blood better than Egypt's blood there is blood better than the day of atonement's blood there is blood better than the old covenant blood. There's blood better than that blood on the doorpost. There's blood better than that blood on that earthly mercy seat. There's blood better than that blood shed on stone altars. There is better blood. There's a red river that flows in the Bible and it runs deep in the Old Testament but it springs up sweet in the New Testament. The theme of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is better. The book is making the case that no matter what you compare him to, no matter what you stack him up against, no matter who's in the race running with him, Jesus always comes out on top, he always comes out ahead and he always comes out better you read the book of Hebrews and you find he's better than creation you read and find he's better than angels he's better than the old covenant he's better than Moses, he's better than Abraham and he's better than the old testament, he's the mediator of the new testament, that first covenant could never make a man perfect it just brought in that need for another one who can make him perfect then the bringing in of a better hope came in the person of Jesus Christ every drop of blood that was shed in the Old Testament was a testifying sermon that better blood is coming 
every time a goat died, every time a sheep died, every time a bird was sacrificed, it was a message, better blood is coming in verse three, in verse four of our text. It says, but in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Can I say, just as it is impossible for sins to be forgiven without blood being shed, it is equally as impossible for sins to be forever forgiven by animal blood being shed. Think of it, trying to pay an eternal death with a temporal sacrifice every day, every year, over and over. They'd have to offer their blood. Can you imagine in your mind those thousands of animals sacrificed every day, maybe a million or more every year. You can see the long lines of offers as they bring their temporal sacrifice that they had to purchase to a sinful priest to offer an atonement for their sin, then they'd have to do it over and over and over again. How hopeless, how helpless, how horrible that would be. Imagine the acres of gore. Imagine the piles of bones. Imagine the trails of entrails. Imagine the oceans of blood on Old Testament soil. Over and over and over, that blood had to be shed. The Jewish historian Josephus described the scene and says sometimes those priests would wade up to their knees in the blood of those animal sacrifices but no matter how deep the blood level climbed it can never reach deep enough in to remove the stain of their sin these animal sacrifices extended God's mercy but they did not ensure God's mercy they were more of a bandage than they were a balm they were more of an appeasement than they were reconciliation they were just a shadow of substance that was on the way I'm glad to tell you this morning that what they looked for thank God we can look back at and I'm here to tell you better blood has arrived thank God there's a better mercy seat than that mercy seat there's a better priest than that priest there's a better sacrifice than that sacrifice there is better blood in the Old Testament the offer had to buy his offering but thank God the New Testament the offering purchased us in order for Israel to get out of Egypt land they had to cross through that Red Sea and in order for us to get out of bondage and back to God we had to cross through a crimson stream as well some through the water some through the flood but they all get there by the blood if you read Hebrews chapter 9 Hebrews chapter 9 the truth is given to us very plainly the Old Testament blood could never take away man's sin problem Old Testament blood would leave man in proverbial Egypt the blood of goats could not atone for sin the blood of sheep could not remove its shackles the blood of goats cannot loosen its grip there had to be better blood I looked up that word better it means exceptional it means superior it means more desirable it means more suitable in Hebrews 9 we find a blood mentioned that without debate is exceptional blood without debate it's superior blood without debate it's a higher quality blood without debate it's a more desirable blood in verse 11, it starts out with these two words, but Christ. In Hebrews, it's already been said, Jesus is better than angels and creation and the earthly tabernacle and Abraham, but all of that is true because Christ is the mediator of a better testament that was testated and birthed by precious and better blood. In the Old Testament, the sheep died for the sins of their shepherd, but in the New Testament, the shepherd would die for the sins of his sheep. No longer is that priest ministering at the altar, but thank God our priest laid himself down upon the altar 
offender for our sin. Jesus became both offerer and offering. That Old Testament priest would offer thousands of sacrifices that can never eternally take away one sin. But Jesus offered one sacrifice that can eternally take away every single sin. In verse number 9 of our chapter, the writer refers to the Old Testament system and says it was just a shadow. It was just a figure. It was just the hors d'oeuvres. It was just the pregame. It was just the opening act. There's something better coming. There's a better sacrifice coming. There's a better tabernacle coming. There's a better priesthood coming. There's a better blood that's coming at Calvary. The figure took form at Calvary. The shadow took shape at Calvary. The substance came forth in the introduction I said. It's blood that holds life together. It is blood that supplies the potty. It is blood that gives us our nourishment. It is blood that heals us from wounds. It is blood that does all those things. But I'm here to say there's a better blood that gives a better life. There's a better blood that gives a better nourishment. There's a better blood that can hold a life together. There's a better blood than that Old Testament blood. The Old Testament blood can never spiritually hold it together. It can never spiritually cleanse a life. It can never spiritually nourish. It can never spiritually help grow. But there is better blood. This better blood can keep your life together. This better blood can feed you day by day. This better blood can ensure that you grow. This better blood can heal within and without. It starts off in our text with those two words, but Christ, like a big sign in neon lights. I like the way that jumps off my Bible as it advertises the goodness of God and says the Old Testament was this, that, and the other. But Christ, let me introduce you to some better blood. I know you know about the Old Testament. He's talking to these Jews. I know you know about the Old Testament priest. I know you know about the Old Testament sacrifice. But let me introduce you to another man. His name is Jesus Christ. No more sheep. Now it's Christ. No more bulls. Now it's Christ. No more goats. Now it's Christ. No more piles of bones or oceans of blood. Now it's Jesus Christ. There's one source, one spring, and one fountain. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. He came as a lamb to be slain, as slain before the foundations of the world. He's as true as it is that without the shedding of blood is no remission we can say without the shedding of Christ's blood there is no remission as Abraham's ram was caught in that thicket and took Isaac's place let's never get over and let's never get past and let's not forget that the precious son of God came to our own mount Mount Calvary and he took our place and shed his blood for our sin as the high priest of the Old Testament would sprinkle his blood the blood of the animal on the mercy seat in the earthly tabernacle our high priest entered into the holy of holies in heaven with his own blood to provide redemption for us. In Jesus we find a better priesthood. In Jesus we find a better sacrifice. In Jesus we find a better atonement. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. That blood will never lose its power. As you think about Calvary, you think about the Old Testament. That Old Testament had that lust for blood and cried out every day, sacrifice, sacrifice. But thank God the one in heaven cries out, satisfied, satisfied. At Calvary, as Jesus begins to be beaten for our sin, you can see it as the testator is about to add force to his testament. You say, why the cross? Because we needed better blood. Jesus came 
to make a way for unrighteous men to have imputed righteousness put on our account. As Jesus prayed and the bald blood began to run down his brow, that was better blood. As Jesus was beaten and the blood poured from his nose, that was better blood. As Jesus was smacked and that blood formed around his lips, that was better blood. As Jesus was scourged and those bloody furrows were dug deep into the flesh of his back, that was better blood. As Jesus was crowned with that thorny crown and those thorns were augers that dug wells of our salvation, can I say that well, sprung up with better blood. As Jesus was nailed to the cross and those nails pierced his hands and feet, those nails brought forth blood, that was better blood. We're going to go to heaven one day because of better blood. We're children of God today because of better blood. The wrath of God has been appeased because of better blood. We have fellowship with God again because of better blood. We have access to the throne of grace now because of better blood. We've been saved forever because of better blood. We've been justified because of better blood. We've been grafted in because of better blood. We've been adopted because of better blood. We've been forgiven because of better blood. We've been set free from bondage because of better blood. Christ's blood is better. It provides a better atonement. It's a better propitiation. It's a better sacrifice. And I'm glad I've been washed in that better blood. It's that better blood. That's precious blood. It's that better blood. That's powerful blood. It's that better blood. That's propitiating blood. It's that better blood. That's pardoning blood. It's that better blood. That is pure blood. It's that better blood. That's perpetual blood. It's that better blood. That's purifying blood. And it's that better blood. That was perfect blood. That better blood converts. That better blood can cleanse. That better blood will cover. That better blood can keep. That better blood will save. That better blood is sinless. That better better blood sufficient and that better blood is satisfying. That better blood removes sin's demands. It broke sin's chains and erased sin's memory. Someone might ask you, why are you so confident about the blood? Because of where it is right now. Thank God Jesus' blood that was shed. It didn't dissipate into the soil. It didn't fall into the dirt. Every drop of blood that that bull shed, it dried up in the dirt. Every drop of blood that bird shed would dry up in the dirt. Every drop of blood that goat would shed dried up in the dirt. But that blood that Jesus shed, it didn't dissipate in the dirt. It didn't evaporate in the air. It didn't get lost to the sands of time. But right now up in heaven, there is a mercy seat. There's a better place. There's a better tabernacle. There's a better holy of holies. And one day, Jesus went down, took, took my place, led captivity captive, took the keys from the devil, went up into heaven, took that blood. He went through that veil, went right to the mercy seat, put his blood set down by the right hand of the majesty on high. And now every day, my advocate, my high priest, my lawyer, my big brother Jesus stands by the mercy seat and argues my case before God when the devil tries to accuse. My advocate takes the devil and rubs his nose on that bloody altar and says, it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. The critic might deny it. The scoffer might scoff it. The critic might say it doesn't exist. But right now in heaven, as real as that pew you're sitting in, there is rich, royal, redeeming blood on the mercy seat, and it's better blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Every day, my accuser has to meet my advocate and get reminded of my atonement because that blood that Jesus shed never loses its power. They put those thorns in his brow you know what those thorns were met with? That blood. They pierced his side. You know what that, that's our sin. You know what that was met with? That blood and water. They drove those nails. That was our sin. 
know what met it? His blood did. I'm glad today I know about some blood that's better blood. Let me give you three statements. I'm not going to preach them. I'm just going to read them and go, home, go to the pew. You know what that means to me? Better blood, that means my sins are forgiven. Now, I wouldn't get too excited about that either if I were you. Number two, my sins are forgotten. Now, I forget things on accident because I'm a sinner and I have a finite mind. God's not a sinner. He can't forget unless he means to. God didn't forget your sin on accident. He forgot your sin on purpose. Number three, I tell you what it means to me. My salvation is forever. I was saved yesterday, and guess what? I'm still saved today. And guess what? I might mess up before I leave the meeting today, but I'll still be saved, and I'll be saved tomorrow. Why is that? Because there is better blood in a better place, on a better mercy seat, attended to by a better high priest, and it's all up there for me. I don't know about you, but it sort of helps me once in a while just to hear about Jesus and the blood that he shed. And those ladies sang that song, and I thought, well, maybe God just wants, to, wants us to think on that for a minute. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. We'll have a word of prayer, and then preach. I'll just turn it over to you. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, just to talk about you a minute. I pray you'd help us never to get over the blood. Thank you for saving me. Lord, unworthy, wicked, but thank God you wanted me. I pray that you'd help us never to get over the fact that we have better blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Preacher, you come.